0: We are on week two of our sermon series going through the book of 1 John. And didn't Mark Millington set us off on such a great start last week? Looking at the first chapter and the first few verses of the second chapter. He really gave us a flavour of what is to come for these five weeks. Because this is a fantastic letter it is a really tough letter as well. It really goes to the heart of how we should live as disciples of Christ. It proclaims the gospel. So new people coming into church can hear the goodness of our Lord. But yet for many of us here who have known the Lord Jesus for many years that gospel message that runs through this book continues to challenge us. Challenge how we are to live. Challenge us on the way that we are to proclaim his name. And so Mark, uh, last week, I wasn't here last week, I was at New Wine. We missed you loads if you weren't there. Missed being here with you all. But I wasn't here, so I caught up what Mark said on the podcast, so if you missed it, please do go back and listen to it. But in essence, he talked about three things. He talked about fellowship, he talked about the truth of his word, Christ's word, and also how we can be a person of love. So do go back And listen to that. And one thing he said, which is so true and right, is that there are three cyclic themes which run through 1 John. They are themes of life, how we are to live our lives, how we are to live our lives as disciples of him. The theme of love. John talks about love throughout his gospel and then throughout these three letters. And he talks about what is the truth. And so today, we will touch on those three things, but primarily how we are to live our lives as disciples of Christ. And the refrain that I want to focus on today is this refrain, which actually ends the reading that we heard. The three words that end it in the last part of verse 27 of the second chapter, it says this. Remain in him. Remain in him. Remain in Jesus. And we hear this refrain, remain in, and then either remain in me if Jesus is saying it, or remain in Jesus if someone else is saying it, or remain in him, and so on. Thirteen times throughout John's gospel, and then six times in this first letter that John writes. This refrain, remain in me, is our love song for this morning. Remain in the one who created us. Remain in the one who was from the beginning, who came to this earth to redeem us and to save us. Remain in him, remain in the love song It is also our battle cry Because for us to go out from this place And to live as we ought to live as disciples of Christ We are to remain in him, he is our shield He is our rock, he is our backbone As we stand tall, knowing that we are in him Remaining in his truth and his love As we live our life firmly in his foundation. It is a call to the broken. Come, remain in Jesus. It is a call to the lost. Come, remain in my love. It is a call to the seeker. As much as it is a call to us as believers. Remain in him. Remain in me. It is said a few times in this passage, mainly towards the end, but I see this passage split into four, all of which have the inference of this refrain, remain in me. And they all answer either one of these two questions. Either why does John so clearly teach about the importance of remaining in him, so a why question, or a how question, how are we to remain in him? So we're going to look at these four sections. The first one is verses 9 to 11. This is verse 9. Anyone who claims to be in the light, but hates a brother or sister, is still in the darkness. Anyone who claims to be in the light, But hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Who is this light? Not a rhetorical question. Who is the light? Jesus Christ. Let me read you the first few verses of John's Gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Skipping ahead a few verses to verse 9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. They are well known verses. Speaking of who is the light? Our Lord, Jesus Christ, who was there at the beginning. He is the light. He is our light that lives within us if you have accepted him as your Lord and Saviour. And this is a tough verse, verse 9. Because it is saying that if we are called to live in the light as disciples of Christ, why do we hate our brothers or sisters? He is calling out a hypocrisy, which is in, let's be honest, all of us. Now this doesn't specifically mean our siblings, our brothers or sisters, it means our neighbors. It means those people that we work with. Yes, it means our family members. It means the people that we, if we're honest, find difficult to get along with. This is Jesus. And we hear this in this liturgical service this morning. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like this. Love your neighbour as yourself. Later, Jesus also says that we are called to love our enemies. Therefore, John is pointing out this teaching of Christ to say, if we are called to live in his light, if we are proclaiming to be his disciples... Why is it that we hate our brothers or sisters? Now, he is speaking to a particular church in this letter, but he is speaking to us just the same. Is there somebody that, as I'm saying this, instantly comes to mind and you think, oh, I am not... Exampling the way of Christ to that person. My heart is not soft for them. But Simon, you don't know what they've done. You don't know what they've said. You don't know how they've acted towards me. I can only hate them. I can have no love for them. That is something that maybe this morning you need to respond personally with your Lord and Savior about who that might be. How you can reconcile with that person. Because if you are living in the light, if we are called to remain in the beautiful Savior, we cannot hate a brother. Or a sister, a neighbour, or even our enemy. The first verse of this section of 1 John today already hits home, doesn't it? This is a tough letter. This is a tough letter, and this is why we wanted to speak on this letter throughout the summer. Verse 10, but anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light... And there is nothing to them, nothing in them, sorry, to make them stumble. We need help, don't we? We need help in order to love our neighbours. We need help in order to love our enemies. We need help in order to live in the light, exampling the way of Christ. How do we get that help? We sing the love song of the refrain lords remain in me it is only through jesus living so deeply in our hearts that our hearts can be softened softened in reconciliation softened in love for those people who we find it so difficult to love and to forgive I'm just going to pray. I just feel really a sense to pray at this moment. Lord, whoever that person is who we are thinking about at this moment, may you soften our hearts. May we learn to forgive. May you show us how to love them. Because Lord, You love us, us rotten sinners, yet you pour upon us your love and your grace. Lord, show us how we can do that, how we can live in the light. Amen. The next section, verses 12 to 14. This is a a why section. Why does John call us to remain in him? This section proclaims the gospel. This section shows us that we are set free in Christ. We are set free in him. And it lays out all the gifts that have been given to us. Firstly, the gift of forgiveness through Christ Jesus. Verse 12. Your sins have been forgiven, forgiven on account of his name. Evil has been overcome. Death has been defeated by what Jesus did for us on the cross. We have been forgiven, completely and utterly restored because of his name, because of what he did for us. We have been given the gift of forgiveness. Secondly, verse 13, "The gift of an increasing knowledge of our Lords. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, dear children, because you have known the Father. Now, this is more than simply an academic kind of head knowledge, biblical knowledge of who Jesus is. The Greek words here more describe the relationship between a husband and a wife. I know what Hannah likes. I know the kind of person she is, both heads, but I know her. I know what she's feeling. I know when she is struggling. I know her so intimately. More than simply a head knowledge, it is a heart knowledge. It is that intimacy that these words are describing. The gift that we have been given is that we can know God in this way. We can know God simply more than an academic study of the bible. We can know him because of our relationship with him. Our hearts with him, remaining in him as he remains in us. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that amazing that, as we hear in this passage and throughout the whole of Scripture, the one who made everything wants to know me? That intimately. Come on, why would we not want to remain in Him? Verse 14. It also talks about the gift of a victorious strength. The God who makes us strong in him. By us remaining in him, we have this backbone, this strength in him. Why remain in Christ? Because we have been given these incredible gifts. And ultimately, we have been given the most incredible gift of all because of his forgiveness. Because we can know him. Because of that strength, we have the gift of salvation in him. We have been set free. We remain in him because he has set us free. So that's why... Why do we remain in him? Because of some of those reasons I've just shared. The next section, verses 15 to 17. This talks about how. How we are to remain in him. By being set apart. Set apart from worldly desires. Verse 15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. Now this first bit, do not love the world, we need to clarify exactly what that means. I don't believe the Lord is saying, don't love what I have created. We are called to care for our world, aren't we? We are called to cultivate it. We are called to love our world. But I think what John is saying is in fact this. He is saying... Do not love the world that has forsaken God. Don't love the sin that is in the world. Don't love all the bad things that are in the world. Yes, love my beautiful creation. Love what I have made. But don't love what has been forsaken. And some of those examples follow. Verse 16. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh... The lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. John sets out three typical sins. There are many more, but there are three that he mentions. Firstly, flesh the flesh's desire. Now, first off, that is those obvious things that we instantly think about. Sexual sin... Affairs, sets outside of marriage, lost of our eyes, lost in our hearts. It means that. It means those things that we don't like to talk about, but that are so deeply rooted in Scripture. For us to be faithful. Faithful to singleness, if that is our call. Faithful to our partners, our spouses, if that is our call. But it also means other things that satisfy or seemingly satisfy our sinful desires. Worldly ambition, gluttony, materialism, to name a few. Next, the eyes' desires. This is how one commentator describes it. The eyes' desire is the spirit which can see nothing without wishing to acquire it, and which, having acquired it, flaunts it. It is the spirit which believes that happiness is to be found in things which money can buy and the eye can see. That strikes a chord in me. I wonder if that strikes a chord in you. Do you look upon your neighbours' worldly possessions, the style of their life, And long to have it or do we remain in Christ and be thankful for those gifts that he has given us the gift of forgiveness the gift of salvation the gift of knowing him the gift of victorious strength and John also lists the sin of life's empty pride All of these things pass away. We can't take our possessions with us. Those sins will not exist in the heavenly realms as we join with Christ in eternal glory. They will no longer be there. Those sinful desires will no longer be in our hearts. But how do we remain in him? We turn our back on those things We turn our back on the world that has forsaken God And we love what is true And what is right And who has set us free Finally then The last section, verses 18 to 27 A longish section I don't have too much more time So I just want to pick up on one point in particular. Something that is said in verse 20 and then in verse 27. Verse 20. You have an anointing from the Holy One. And all of you know the truth. Verse 27. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. Remain in him. How? How are we to remain in him? He has given us the way. He has given us the way because he, when we accept him as our Lord and Saviour, pours an anointing upon us. We are anointed in Him. We are anointed by His Spirit who lives in us and shows us our weaknesses, shows us where we need to ask the Lord into our lives, shows us who to speak to, shows us how to love our neighbors and our enemies. The anointing the Spirit living a life in the Spirit is how we remain in Him we've just finished a whole sermon series on that how we live a life in the Spirit just because we've stopped preaching that sermon series do not forget the call on our lives to live a life in this anointing. To live a life in this spirit. To live a life blessed by our heavenly father. Who calls us to remain in him. I wonder if you would just pause and centre yourself on our Lord. How do we remain in Christ? How do we remain in him? We live in the light. We live in the light and not in the darkness. We live in all that Jesus is, his truth, his love, his forgiveness. Why do we remain in him? Because we have been set free. We have been set free by him. And therefore, we are called to be set apart. Set apart from the world. Yes, living in the world, but not of the world. And how above all do we do this? We do this because we have been anointed. Anointed by him. Anointed by the Spirit. Lord, our Heavenly Father, I ask for a fresh anointing upon us this morning. Lord, if we have never had an anointing from you, if we have never committed our lives to make you our Lord and Saviour, Lord, would you anoint us for the first time right now by your Spirit? Lord, for us who have had an anointing before fill us afresh with your spirits so that above all we can remain in you remain in you remain in you amen